Thank you for streaming Cities After, a radical exploration into the capitalist contradictions of our urban world and the many anti-capitalist futures to come. This is a Politics in Motion broadcast, and I'm your host, Miguel Robles Duran. The number of people experiencing homelessness has increased dramatically across the globe. A crisis that has been exacerbated in the last decade by many of the critical problems that I have addressed in the previous podcasts. Most notably, uncontrolled predatory real estate speculation, the pernicious privatization of social or public housing stock, record levels of inequality, a miserable supply of affordable homes, and the erosion or absence of legal and economic instruments to support social spending in elemental human needs. In a few words, exacerbated by neoliberal capitalism in one of its most devastating facets. This is the first of many other episodes to come where I am planning to address the global homeless crisis from different standpoints. In this episode, my focus will be on wealthy countries, or the developed world, as it is commonly referred to. And we'll go over some of the systemic failures of its governments, private-public partnerships, and non-profit organizations in eradicating homelessness. I'm convinced that this trifecta has spawned the contemporary extractive homeless industry that for decades has been profiting from the creation and preservation of this particular social misfortune. As most of you know, I record Cities After in New York City, a metropolis that for more than a century has been synonymous with extreme urban inequality and exorbitant numbers of homeless population. For us New Yorkers, this is an everyday component of our life in the city. Walking through almost every street and seeing people sleeping over pieces of cardboard in the sidewalk, this is something we morosely have gotten used to. The city has conditioned us to be indifferent, apathetic, and emotionally detached from the suffering of so many young and old human beings that don't have a place to call home. Because the capitalist urban ecology that we inhabit exists solely prioritizing profit over life, whiteness over humanity, pollution over nature, and greed over kindness. Through the second half of the 20th century, New York City represented the consummation of metropolitan inequality in the so-called developed world. 
it was seen by many as the belly of the beast. And even if other large American cities like Chicago, Los Angeles, or Philadelphia had also dreadful conditions of urban poverty, for many reasons, and this perhaps Hollywood had something to do with it, New York City has always stood out for its extreme contrasts. The rest of the developed world, specifically Canada, Western Europe, and Australia, was at that time somehow invested in the elimination of homelessness as an objective of welfare states through the development of massive public infrastructures. Amongst these, public and social housing by the thousands. And commonly looked at chronic homelessness as an American problem. Very often through the lens of New York City, as it was famously portrayed in the films of Martin Scorsese, Jerry Schatzberg, or Alan Pakula, where normally the city is realistically depicted as a dark, dangerous, depraved, and inhumane environment that had resulted from the failed American urban experiment. The American dream at that time was supposedly to be found in suburbia. But today, the homeless landscape in the developed world is very different. It is not just America, and although New York City continues to have a homeless crisis, it is no longer the supreme example of urban poverty that it was at some point. And this is not because things have improved, not at all, but simply because other urban regions now have it as bad or worse. The global neoliberal shift that began at the end of the 1970s launched a slow but ceaseless private takeover of all social welfare and public infrastructures across the world. For example, in 1989, Germany boosted a stock of 4 million social housing units. By 2006, this number had been halved to just 2 million units. Continuing in a stark decline towards the present day, Germany estimates that there's only 1 million remaining social housing units. This is three quarters of the total social housing stock taken by the private market. And of course, this effect has been mirrored throughout the developed world. This has left wealthy countries like the UK with a homeless population approaching 300,000. Australia, getting close to 150,000. France, above 300,000. And according to the German Federal Association for Assistance to Homeless, Germany's homeless population is nearing 1 million. To put it in perspective, the 2022 data of the US Department of Housing and Urban Development, or HUD, estimated a national homeless population of almost 600,000. So yes, you heard the numbers right. If we trust national data, Germany now has a more bigger homeless problem than the United States. But I must add that homeless data is very difficult to gather and it is methodologically imprecise. I will be sure to talk about this later on. 
I guess that what I'm trying to point, point out here is that to understand today's homeless crisis, it is important to avoid looking at it just as a national, regional, or local issue, as we have done historically. Homelessness today represents a systemic social failure and has to be addressed as a destructive consequence of late-stage capitalism and its global financial apparatus that knows no borders. With perhaps the exception of Finland, Japan, and Singapore, homelessness in wealthy countries has been on the rise without any signs of slowing down. And we should all be terrified to where this is leading us. In the last decade, society in the developed world reached the point where the great majority of the homeless population that has a low to middle income, full-time job, cannot afford a stable roof over its head. Even couples with full-time jobs in metropolitan regions are finding it impossible to find a decent place to live that they can afford. Currently, a one-bedroom apartment in Munich, Germany, costs around 1,850 euros a month, including utilities. And the average net salary in this city is slightly less than 3,000 euros. This means that the average Munich citizen will need to spend more than 62% of their salary to afford a home, leaving them with just 35 euros a day to cover basic living expenses such as food, healthcare, transportation, and clothing. In Vancouver, the average one bedroom is 2,550 Canadian dollars, and the average net salary is 3,700 a month. The average worker would need to spend 69% of their salary in rent. In New York City, the average one-bedroom apartment is $3,750 a month. And the average monthly salary is around $4,000 a month. This would leave the average renter with $1.7 a day to cover basic living expenses. Obviously, in any of these three cities, it would be simply impossible to live. And I could go on and on contrasting average rents with average wages in almost every metropolitan region in the developed world, and I would give you similar impossible numbers. Now, imagine you're an average earner with little savings living in New York City. You've been here for 10 years. Most certainly, your rent would be more affordable than the number I just gave. And quite possibly, you have a roommate or partner. What happens if your landlord decides to raise the rent 30%? Which is, by the way, not an uncommon figure. Or if you have a roommate or partner and have to split. Well, unless you start working two shifts, these eventualities would make you homeless because there is no way that you would be able to find a place you can afford with your average salary. Of course, if you lose your job or have an unexpected emergency expense and cannot pay your rent, 
you are most likely going to become also homeless. To put it bluntly, if you are one of the 60% of Americans that live paycheck to paycheck, you might be just one paycheck away from becoming homeless. In other words, any contingency would put you at risk of losing your home. The contemporary conditions of why one falls into homelessness are extremely different than what most people imagine are the reasons why someone is homeless. Contrary to being a drug addict or someone without education or with severe mental health issues, the majority of homeless are educated, mentally stable, and a very productive part of the workforce. According to the National Coalition for the Homeless, it is estimated that approximately 44% of the homeless population in the United States have completed college degrees or graduate degrees. And another study conducted by the National Law Center on Homelessness and Poverty found that 44% of homeless individuals surveyed were employed. To get a, even a clearer picture, it is important to take into account that these numbers don't count the approximately one-third of the homeless population in the USA who are children that study and don't work. Saying this, it is difficult to provide an exact percentage of homeless individuals who are fully employed or have college degrees. As consistent and reliable data on employment and education amongst the homeless population is truly not available in the USA, but also not available in Germany, Canada, or many other wealthy countries. Actually, most of the homeless data we have is grossly estimated, and the ability to connect and obtain reliable data on this population is severely lacking. And of course, this poses a significant obstacle in understanding the extent of the problem and developing effective strategies to ameliorate and ultimately eradicate homelessness. The issue of undercounting homeless individuals is one of the key challenges faced in accurately understanding the problem. Homeless people are incredibly transient, making it challenging to capture accurate data, particularly for those living outside designated shelters like tents, cars, mobile homes, trailers, shacks, tunnels, bridges, streets, or couch surfing. This leads to an immense underestimation of the homeless population, making it very difficult to assign public budgets, develop targeted policies and programs to, of course, address the issue. For example, a nonprofit organization that I collaborated with in the past called Picture the Homeless very often would denounce the homeless counts of the New York City Department of Homeless Services as being grossly inaccurate in relation to their own counts that always estimated more people living in the streets than shown in the official numbers. And I'm certain this is the case everywhere. Furthermore, data on what is actually causing the homeless crisis is hardly interpolated and extrapolated with homeless data as they are normally considered distinctive problems. 
homes being bought by mega landlords, Airbnb lettings, or the lack of rental protections are commonly considered a different matter unrelated to homelessness, even though they are intrinsically connected. Adding to this, varying definitions of homelessness across different locations and legal structures also hinder accurate data collection. And besides all these factors, the aim of the data that is currently collected is mostly used to help manage the homeless situation and not eradicate it. Because of course, eradication would mean to make housing a human right. And as you know, capitalism would not like that. Privacy concerns and stigma attached to the homelessness also make participation for service and data collection initiatives very challenging. Many people who experience homelessness are hesitant to seek help or share the situation with the community or outsiders for fear of social rejection. Even more critically, there are limited to no government resources allocated to data collection and analysis of the homeless crisis, which of course further complicates the challenge of obtaining trustworthy data on this critical issue. Inadequate government funding restricts the scope and quality of every collection effort. And this also leaves nonprofit and charitable organizations with the task of developing their own data and methodologies, creating more confusion and limiting the ability to establish an accurate estimation of the homeless population. And this is a crucial thing for activists, policymakers, and any organization that wants to combat the problem fully. So apart from mandating housing for all, it is absolutely necessary that we fund the development of more accurate, comprehensive, and relational data collection systems at an international, regional, and local level that can cross-reference and integrate with other indicators of urban inequality and predatory financial operations. And all this with the addition of an in-depth qualitative data that is based on ethnographic and participatory research methods. Nevertheless, despite the lack of reliable official data, the overwhelming evidence from multiple independent studies indicate that an acute lack of affordable housing is the primary driver of homelessness. Atrociously pro-real estate policies and their for-profit managerial approach have utterly failed to address this crisis. Notwithstanding the overwhelming evidence backing up this claim, those in government have yet to deliver a genuine attempt to make affordable housing a priority. Apart from the rapacious interest and corruption of the real estate industry and government officials, there is another industry that has influenced the many decades of little to no political action in housing affordability. I'm referring to the private corporations in charge of managing homelessness, which have become a highly profitable business venture. 
This is the industry that municipalities across the globe contract and hire for providing and or managing shelters, security services, health services, job services, food supplies, maintenance and repair of shelters, cleaning services, as well as legal and financial assistance for those that are homeless. This industry is where most of the tax money dedicated to solve the homeless crisis goes to. For example, Max Neidlinger, a reporter from the German news agency Deutsche Welle, showed in a recent documentary that in the city of Cologne, providing permanent housing cost the city half of providing hotel shelter accommodation to the homeless. And in all cases across Germany, it would be cheaper for governments to provide permanent housing than any form of temporary shelter. In this direction, the most comprehensive report that I have read about the homeless industry is from the New York City organization I mentioned before, Picture the Homeless. They published it in 2019 with the title, The Business of Homelessness, Financial and Human Costs of the Shelter Industrial Complex. I took the title of this episode from this report. The report was a year-long investigation into the fiscal policies and government priorities that mold the lives of homeless individuals in New York City, and the findings are astonishing. Even though the report is New York City-focused, it sheds light on how and why, despite the billions of dollars or euros that are poured by governments into solving the homeless crisis, the situation is just being managed and only keeps getting worse. Actually, some of the points that this 30-page report touches on can easily translate to most wealthy cities around the world. The bottom line is that overall, governments pay much more in homeless services than it would cost to permanently house families or individuals. So who receives the billions of dollars of taxpayers' money? The private homeless industry. And this includes for-profit, but also not-for-profit organizations. Let me quote a bit of what they say in this report. I open quote. The city says it is too expensive to subsidize housing for households of extremely low income, when it actually is more expensive not to. In another quote, the Department of Homeless Services expense budget relies heavily on contracts, primarily with nonprofit shelter service providers. But the service provided are inadequate and wasteful of city resources. Let me give you some numbers to substantiate these statements. Currently, the Department of Homeless Services spends over $2.1 billion a year to hire private contractors to badly manage homelessness. This is about 
$3,000 a month for each of the 70,000 homeless individuals in the city, or about $36,000 per year. The report also determined that the amount of money that the city is expected to spend on operating shelters over the next three years would be sufficient to finance housing for all homeless families. And the cost of city subsidies required to create new housing for every homeless household in New York City would be less than what the city is estimated to spend on shelter operating expenses in the coming seven years. After this deduction, picture the homeless identified three mechanisms by which the city can transfer funds from shelters to affordable housing that is permanent and forever and ever affordable. But as expected, the city is not listening. The fact that the city is unwilling to build affordable housing to seriously tackle the issue guarantees that homeless shelters will stay in operation for an indefinite period. Prioritizing the perpetual public subsidy of its private industry and the enrichment of its owners at the cost of human suffering. The report presentation closes with this statement. And I open quote. In this report, we propose working solutions that could address our present day homelessness crisis at its source while saving the city millions of dollars in the process. We know that money can be diverted away from wasteful shelters and into thriving and stable housing and neighborhoods. The question is whether government agencies are willing to shift our budget to address the needs of people working part-time and low-wage jobs, seniors and others living on fixed incomes people going to school, raising families, and many more whose housing, health, and economic stability is on the line. As I read this, I am certain that this statement would also apply to many wealthy cities around the world, not only in New York. Our neoliberal governments have been subsidizing with public money the highly profitable private homeless industry that manages a human crisis that they themselves have created in the relentless and unconditional support for the predatory real estate machine and the global financial apparatus that backs it. Homelessness today is deplorably another example of extractive and racial abuse of low-income populations, which are majoritarily black and brown bodies. It is also another perfect example of public wealth transfer to the pockets of rich private individuals. Conveniently, there is no money assigned for research and reliable data gathering to help us better understand the crisis. There is no money allotted towards the development of permanent affordable housing and non-speculative housing. 
There is little or no legal resources employed to stop evictions, predacious rent increases, and outrageous real estate operations. However, there are billions of dollars and euros for private contractors to help manage the problem and perpetuate temporary solutions without an end in sight. Homelessness is an issue of utmost urgency. Society cannot afford to stay complacent any longer. Given the persistent issue of mass disregard for human rights, brought about by deep-rooted racial and economic neglect by our neoliberal governments. To address this crisis, the first crucial step is to replace our elected officials with candidates that acknowledge the importance of transferring fiscal and other resources to develop permanent, affordable, and supportive housing at a scale we have never seen before. Research centers and academic institutions must form international coalitions to structure an observatory at the global level of homelessness that can aid in the production of relational and trustworthy data for supporting governmental efforts to eradicate homelessness. Additionally, urgent action needs to be taken to review and assess the effectiveness of emergency shelter policies. It is evident that the current congregate shelter model is a catastrophic failure and must be replaced with housing first policies. I honestly see no other way out of this.